Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. All right, so I was talking about the kid who was perpetually grounded, so much so you never bothered to include him in anything because you knew he was grounded. The groundation never took. It was just part of his reality. He got used to it. He had resigned himself to being grounded, and so did everyone else. It was just like, yeah, he's grounded. He's in trouble all the time. That's Russia, kind of. I'll explain here in just a moment. The Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. If you got anything for the program, just send it straight to me on the Twitter, at Nation of Jake. Tony is en route to Florida, where he will be at CPAC, broadcasting live the next couple of days, bringing CPAC to you. I don't know that Tony Katz is speaking at CPAC. I don't know if he is a featured speaker, but he will be a bystander. He'll be broadcasting and, again, bringing it to you because who in the holy hell would want to go there, right? Now, I've been there. Look, it's, there's some good people who go there. You know, Tony's going there. He should probably do some great shows, get some great guests because everybody's in one place. And so I've been there. That was enough for me. Uh, but that said, I mean, there's not a lot of places you can go to get those A-list guests just lining up on Radio Row. It's actually a pretty fun scene, and so you'll have a lot of fun listening the next couple of days to Tony Katz today. I I want to amend this analogy that I made earlier about the grounded kid. You know, we all knew that kid. He was always in trouble. In my life, it was Kevin. Kevin was always in trouble. He was always grounded. He had very strict parents, and so we just most of the time never even called the guy But when he did, like, say, have a gap in the periods between his groundation, uh, he would come out with us and he would just start doing insane stuff. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, Kevin, he's going to smoke pot out of a Coke can. I'm like, why? Why would you do that, Kevin? You're always grounded. You're going to get in trouble again. He's like, yeah, I'll be grounded. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. Like, I mean, I'm used to it. It's my reality. That's kind of like what I'm talking about with Vladimir Putin. Like, he, he's already built it in. It's already baked in. Whether it's sanctions, whether it's how Russia is viewed, about his place in the world order, he, he's already accepted it. So whatever sanctions you can throw at him, he's like, I am ready. I am ready for the sanctions. You cannot hurt me. So it's kind of evolved. Like, let's say this is a middle schooler who's always grounded. But then when you get into high school, you just stop listening to your folks. You just go do whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever, ma. And you leave. You get the keys to the Jeep, and you roll. You've got your own stuff. You know, you, you've, it's, you've grounded him so many times, he doesn't care about your authority anymore. Your world order is not his. He's rejecting your reality and substituting his own. That's what you have now. Vladimir Putin is the grown-up who was always grounded, always slapped on the wrist, And now he's just like, nope, I'm just going to do whatever I want. So sanctions aren't really going to work. He is not just rejecting the sanctions from the U.S., from Canada, from the U.K. He's trying to recreate the world order. Since the fall of the Soviet Union, it's been a world order in which the West has led. The U.S., along with our allies, uh, subsequently NATO. And now Vladimir Putin sees an opportunity to change all that. Now, I think he's delusional. Don't get it twisted. I do not think that 
uh, Vladimir Putin is a good guy in any scenario, in any world. Just because you try to get inside the mind of Vladimir Putin doesn't mean you're making excuses for the guy. I'm not making excuses. You're just trying to understand where he's coming from. So what is his end game? What motivates him? And it's not financial sanctions. He, he doesn't care. He's already kind of taken steps to make Russia sanction proof. All right. This is from the BBC.com. Chris Morris wrote this. Uh, Russia has spent years preparing for this moment. In 2014, when Russian troops moved into Crimea, annexing part of Ukraine, it provoked a first round of international sanctions, and that taught Moscow an important lesson. Since then, it's been setting up defenses, moving away from relying on the dollar and trying to sanction-proof the Russian economy. The Russian economy is basically oil and weapons. They're not really innovators. You know, you think about all the best stuff, you know, comes from places like Japan, you know, because they're innovators. Russia, not so much. It's pretty much old world technology. It's weapons and it's oil. Uh, President Putin may be betting that he can withstand sanctions for longer than the West assumes, especially when you're doing this piecemeal stuff. You know, when you say, oh, we'll have to figure out what we're going to do if it's a major invasion versus a minor incursion. You know, those words, even though it was, it was almost just like off the cuff. It was like, you know, President Biden during that marathon press conference, it's like he just didn't even mean to say it. It's like he was thinking out loud. But when he said it, that was the, out of an hour of taking questions, that was the major takeaway. Because the president of Ukraine at the time uh, still is, Volodymyr Zelensky, the former comedian and, I guess, sketch artist. Uh, I guess he was like a stand-up, like they had a type of Kids in the Hall SNL over in Ukraine. And that's, that's where Volodymyr Zelensky came from. He, he kind of freaked out a little bit and said, wait a second. You're, you're pretty much saying that a minor incursion will not invoke the same kind of sanctions or response as a major invasion. So you're kind of giving Putin the go-ahead implicitly that a minor incursion might not be met with that swift and forceful response that you talk about. Well, you, you kind of gave the signal there how you were going to react. And you know what? The U.S. does this, and I think it's, it's pretty well known that we're not looking to get into a ground war, a shooting war with Russia, with a nuclear power over Ukraine, right? We're not, we're not doing that. We didn't do that. Uh, during the Crimea annexation, and it's not something that's on the table. But that's also, I think, part of the problem with playing by the rules. You know, having somebody like President Biden, who has been around a long time, he's, he's been in government for 50 years, I mean, he has a long track record. I mean, the best indicator of future performance is past performance, right? Well, Vladimir Putin, he knows, he knows this guy. He was vice president in 2014. And now he's the president. Now, with, with his predecessor, with Donald Trump in the White House, Vladimir Putin didn't know how Donald Trump was going to react to things. I mean, Donald Trump came into office and almost immediately launched airstrikes in Syria. Now, Syria was backed by Russians. And so uh, Donald Trump made no, no bones about it. Oh, yeah, look, they're, they're gassing people in Syria. We're going to launch airstrikes. And then the whole thing was Soleimani. Uh, and the attack on the uh, embassy in Iraq. He blew Soleimani to bits. 
And he's like, okay. And everybody's like, oh my God, he's going to start World War III. Well, he did not. He did not. So you, you had a certain unpredictability with Donald Trump that I think worked in his favor with regards to Vladimir Putin. There is a reason. Now, you can sit there and make the argument that Vladimir Putin did not invade Ukraine when Donald Trump was president because Donald Trump's criticism of NATO was in line with President Putin's. Donald Trump talked a big game on NATO. I don't think he ever intended to withdraw from NATO. I think that he looked at it as, hey, you know what? Without, without the U.S., NATO's not much. They need us. We're the head of that snake. So they need to start paying their fair share on NATO. Why are we footing the bill for everything here? And I think that he used the idea of withdrawing from NATO to motivate other NATO countries from, from not being takers, but being more makers in that relationship. I don't think he ever, ever was going to abandon our allies uh, in Europe. That, that said, I mean, that argument is being made. But I still think it was a certain unpredictability about Donald Trump that worked in his favor with regards to Russia. Now... You've got Vladimir Putin. He sees President Joe Biden. He knew him as vice president. He knows everything about him. And then he watched him in August of 2021, totally botched that withdrawal in Afghanistan. He sees, he sees that the poll numbers are low. We have now a new Gallup poll out this week. It puts Joe Biden underwater uh, with 40% of Americans approving of his job, especially his job in foreign affairs. It's not going so well. Vladimir Putin knows this, and Vladimir Putin knows that President Biden is playing by a different set of rules. Vladimir Putin is not accountable to his people. He runs sham elections. He's a dictator. He's no different from a guy like Joseph Stalin, who he idolizes. But he looks across and sees President Joe Biden. He's like, man, look, they're, they're taking in the shorts. They got high gas prices. They got high inflation. He got his lunch eaten in Afghanistan. Uh, his people are, are, are upset with him, and he's accountable to those people. So I'm going to make him look bad now. This is, this is the time. He's taking advantage of a weak president on the world stage. And that does not mean that I or anybody else making this kind of observation is pro-Russia or pro-Putin. I am very anti-Russia. Like, I take it to an extreme. You know, we've talked about this earlier. And we will discuss it again. I'm a child of the 80s. I came up in my formative years watching nothing but anti-communist, anti-Soviet propaganda. And I know that this wasn't supposed to be like, you know, the Russian people. But no, like I just by extension, Russia. It's all the same to me. I make no distinction. Russia to this day. They're Soviets. <laughs> it's unfair and it's wrong. But that's that's what indoctrination does. That's what it does. And I wonder. And I I, I was thinking out loud last night. A buddy of mine is a deep thinker. I said, "Do you think that Vladimir Putin really believes all the stuff that he says?" And my, and my buddy's like, "It doesn't matter if he believes it or not. He's a he's a kleptocrat. He's a he's a dictator." I'm like that. That's not my point. My point is, do you think the same way that I was indoctrinated by movies like Rocky Four and Top Gun and War Games? you think that Vladimir Putin, this young guy in the Soviet Union, we got a taste of it. He was in the KGB. He was a powerful man when, when the Soviet Union was still around. I mean, do you think he was indoctrinated? I mean, do you think he believes the stuff he's saying? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always instructive to get in the heads 
of the enemy. Because only then can you understand them, and only then can you can you take a course of action that is going to be effective. I don't think just like wagging your finger and the sanctions, oh, these sanctions are going to be worse if you go any farther. Oh, redraw the line. I don't think it's going to work. Uh, what are the sanctions? Specifically, because we throw that word around, what are the sanctions? What are the latest sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline we're reading about? We'll get into some specifics on the sanctions, so it's not just some blanket statement that's been thrown around 100 times to where it loses all its meaning. We'll do that next on Tony Katz Today. Sanctions. It's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Ah, sanctions on the Taliban, sanctions on North Korea, sanctions on Iran, sanctions on Russia. You're getting sanctions and you're getting sanctions. It's like an inverse Oprah where she's giving away cool stuff. Sanctions are bad. However, when you use the word sanction to something as being school sanctioned, then it's okay. It's, it's a very odd word. And we just throw it around. Ah, sanctions. Sanctions. What are these sanctions? It's a good question. Tony Cast today, Nation of Jake, filling in for Tony. He's on his way to CPAC. He'll be back tomorrow live from sunny Florida in CPAC. He'll be talking all about the sanctions. Now, the new U.S. sanctions triggered by US, uh, Russia's latest actions in Ukraine include targets that in the past have gone untouched. These would be the family members of those in Vladimir Putin's inner circle. So it's getting personal. Because over there in, in Russia... You can't do the sanctions that affect the people because Vladimir Putin's a dictator, doesn't care. So they're going after individuals, you know, financiers, the oligarchs. Uh, by designating the sons of two powerful players close to the Russian president, the Biden administration sent a clear signal that its target list for individual sanctions extends beyond public officials and financiers as part of a new effort to shut down pathways for top Putin associates to shield their wealth by giving it to family members. Uh, Denis Bortnikov and Vladimir Kirilenko, uh, both designated for individual sanctions by the Treasury Department on Tuesday, hold their own in prominent positions in Russian business. So I guess these are the guys, the oligarchs, these are the guys who have Vladimir Putin's ear. And so if they're getting hit, then they're going to hear, Vlad's going to hear about it from them. And so... I'm I'm pretty sure that these discussions have already been had. I mean, when you when you game something out, you you kind of go through, all right, if we do this, if we recognize these areas in eastern Ukraine as independent and we roll tanks in there, we can expect some level of sanctions. Uh, so you're gonna get those. And honestly, the main one that people were asking about was this Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And just moments ago, President Biden in a statement, I'm sure that uh, Jen Psaki, uh, the White House press secretary, a little bit later, we'll, we'll have more on it as she does mop-up duty for the president. Uh, she'll explain more about the, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, this was brought up yesterday. Uh, Germany has uh, suspended the certification process on this pipeline. And this is a pipeline that was, that was sanctioned by Donald Trump, that was shut down by the Trump administration. And then it was restarted in a deal with President Biden and at the time, German Chancellor Angela Merkel in July of 2021 to restart the Nord Stream 2. And it wasn't too long before or after, I should say, the shutdown of the Keystone XL pipeline. So the way the timeline goes, is President Biden gets inaugurated. He immediately pens an executive order to shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, 
in really a lot of federal drilling, fracking, really putting the U.S. in a position to be dependent on foreign oil. And then he goes to OPEC, those nations, says, hey, we need you to produce more oil for us. We'll buy it from you. And then a couple months later, he okays this Nord Stream 2 pipeline that's going to benefit Russia uh, and Germany. And Germany kind of dragged their feet on the idea of sanctions on the pipeline. Uh, But Jen Psaki uh, yesterday was asked about the pipeline sanctions, temporary or forever. Let's take a listen. Well, I would first say that, um, you know, the president has never been a supporter of Nord Stream 2. We've always uh, criticized it as uh, as uh, a project that we didn't support. We took a range of steps and sanctions, including sanctions, to make that very clear. I, I, I just with, with all that I laid out and I'm, I'm doing my best to to make it as clear and I'm telling the truth. I mean, to my knowledge, that's a way it all unfolded. How can White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki say that? Because that is untrue, is that President Biden has never supported this pipeline. Well, then how in the holy hell did it even get done? He lifted the sanctions on it. He cut a deal with Angela Merkel of Germany to to put that in motion and, and let that be completed. It doesn't it just doesn't make sense. And, and I hope somebody today, it'll probably be Peter Ducey, calls her on it. I, I hope that she has to explain that statement. But honestly, even then, even if you shut down that pipeline, Russia is still producing oil. They're still the second leading producer of oil. And then they're also the, the third leading exporter of oil. And so, you know, you're always getting from uh, CBS here uh, talking about how the Ukraine crisis is already hitting Americans' wallets. How? This happened yesterday. But this was a tweet, and they're just getting dragged for it. But they say, although many Americans may prefer the U.S. stay out of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which I think most most prefer that, especially given how this presidency has been on foreign policy thus far, uh, the brewing violence and political fallout are already hurting their wallets. Gasoline prices, which have hit eight year highs, could surge even further if the hostilities escalate or if U.S. lawmakers pass another round of sanctions. Sanctions the word. So how is it already hitting? Look, gas prices are already high. I can totally see how it would make things even worse, which puts the U.S. in an even weaker position with less leverage. More on this, more on the sanctions, more on the brink of war, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia next right here with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz Today. All right, welcome back to Tony Katz. Today, 888-GOT-TONY is the phone number. Nation of Jake in for Tony today. So, at Nation of Jake on the Twitter, the best way to get in touch with the program. All right, so look, I'm, I'm trying to follow all this stuff in real time. All right, so and it's kind of difficult because you have, to, you have to figure out, you know, who's speaking on whose behalf. Uh, right now, Ned Price from the State Department is being asked questions, and Ned Price often gets worn out by the AP writer Matt Lee. I mean, they hold his feet to the fire. It must be one of those deals where Ned Price has a face that Matt Lee just does not like. 
Reminds him of his brother-in-law or something like that. And so he just, he wears him out. And I guess he's kind of his beat, too. And he's kind of like the elder statesman. So when little pencil neck Ned Price gets up there, just like a lot of these guys from the State Department, Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Ned Price, they're all very punchable. So when some of these reporters, when they get an opportunity, they go punching, man. So I'm trying to follow along. I think this is ongoing. Uh, Ned Price talking about the situation with Russia and Ukraine. Now, there was supposed to be some sort of summit held. See, on, on Thursday... Tony Blinken of the State Department, the actual uh, Secretary of State, was going to set up with the ambassador over there in Russia. Uh, what's his name? Good Lord. He's got one of those cool Russian names, like Lavrov, uh, Sergei, well, whatever. So they were going to set up a time to meet to then set up this summit with the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, and Vladimir Putin, and the president of the United States. They were going to get together and have a summit, oddly absent from this entire summit, was the president of Ukraine. Have you noticed that? That everybody else, Chancellor of Germany, Olaf Scholz, the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, President Biden, like they're all at the table. And then, oh yeah, oh yeah, the president of Ukraine, whatever. Like he's like at the kid's table in this whole deal, which kind of gives credence to Vlad Putin's supposition that outside interests are controlling Ukraine right now. Because the president of Ukraine is an afterthought in all of this. So you've got the State Department. They're talking about this summit. Well, I think that's off the table at this point because the invasion has started. They keep on talking about the full invasion is going to start soon, but it's already been started. Like, it's already done. Like, Vladimir Putin's maneuver to recognize eastern Ukraine as independent countries and then roll tanks, that's it. That's the invasion right there. Not the minor incursion he has invaded Ukraine, but now they keep moving the goalposts. Well, the full invasion is not underway yet. And so now, you know, guys at the State Department, they're being asked all kinds of things. Like, are we still talking about diplomacy at this point? I mean, how can you talk about diplomacy at this point? The invasion has already started. Let's take a listen to what Ned Price of the State Department has to say about that. This notion of diplomacy still on the table, and now you're saying that it's possible that, uh, you know, Donbass is obviously being attacked. If not uh, actually, then rhetorically, that the Russians are now, um, you know, uh, uh, acknowledging or recognizing their autonomy and sovereignty. By the way, none of these reporters know how to ask questions. Have you ever noticed that? That the questions are always like double, triple, quadruple barrel statements, filibusters, and then they ask for a response. But she goes on. So how how can you then justify discussions about diplomacy when this is underway? I mean, you keep on saying that the Russians have to show that they're serious. They have to de-escalate. But... Could they pause things right now and possibly engage in talks with the U.S.? Or do significant sort of scale back have to happen? Do we have to see troops falling back before that's discussed? Is Donbass being regarded differently from the rest of the country? So you heard from uh, our colleagues at the White House and, and others here over the course of the day yesterday, including the secretary, that the invasion is beginning. Uh, and when we 
uh, spoke about the beginning of the invasion, we talked about several developments over the course of uh, the 20, that 24-hour period. Uh, Vladimir Putin's recognition uh, of the so-called uh, DNR and LNR, uh, uh, the order that he conveyed to the Ministry of Defense uh, to deploy forces into the Donbass, uh, the authorization uh, that he sought to send Russian service members uh, into service extraterritorially, uh, the rhetorical assault, essentially, that we saw uh, President Putin deliver uh, against Ukraine, denying Ukraine uh, its sovereignty and essentially uh, its right to exist. Answer the question, bro. What is all this filibustering going on? Does nobody know how to ask a question and then answer it? In economy of words, guys. Good Lord, I don't need all the context. Just answer the question. Is it too late for diplomacy if the invasion has already begun? Go, Ned. Those are what we've seen. Those are what we've heard. Uh, but as I just mentioned, uh, there are some things, many things, in fact, uh, that Russia is poised to do at a moment's notice uh, that we have not yet seen. A large-scale invasion, an assault on urban centers, uh, the human rights abuses, the potential war crimes, the atrocities uh, that uh, we have great concern uh, could take place. Uh, these are all things that we want to prevent. Uh, OK, did he, did he answer the question? No, he did not. That, and that's why I think people get so tired of this is you've got these children. First of all, President Biden has been around forever. He should be able to handle this stuff. He should be able to engage with world that's that's why he was he was sold to us as the elder statesman he's got the experience you know that's that's why he was elected is to be the adult in the room but what has he done really is he, he sent the vice president who had no business going to europe to go and try to to negotiate anything to interface with nato leaders she has not proven to be adept at that role. I mean, she she was told to be in charge of the southern border, and she has not been to the southern border. She'll tell you she's been to the southern border, but she's been to on the border. That's where she's been, to have margaritas with Jen Psaki, I bet. So he sends the vice president over, and she said a bunch of nonsense about the window is opening but narrow, and still open in that, con whatever the hell she said. The, I got the clip somewhere. I'm not going to subject you to that. But President Biden, you know, he was sold to the American people as the wise one. And he's dealt with Vladimir Putin before. And that Vladimir Putin does not want to see him as president. I mean, you've, you've heard the clips before. You know what President Biden said. With regard to being weaker. The fact is that I've gone head to head with Putin and made it clear to him we're not going to take any of his stuff. There you go. He's done it. He's done it before. I've already I've already done this. So, I mean, I, I just don't I don't understand. And then, I mean, I, I say all that to say this. It's like I'm Ned Price answering a question like Ned Price and Jake Sullivan. Why are these pencil neck geeks, these nerds in the State Department? Why are they the face of this right now? I mean, you're telling me that this is going to be massive, that this is going to have 
you know, new world order repercussions, that this is Vladimir Putin trying to reestablish uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, you're talking about how bloody it could be. You're talking about this full scale mass invasion. You're talking about sanctions that could uh, raise inflation to 10 percent, that could raise gas prices even further. This is like a huge deal in your in, in net prices out there. Ned Price getting beaten up by reporters, given long-winded, insane answers that do not even provide any kind of insight into what's going on. The invasion has started, but we're still led to believe somehow that uh, we can still go to the table. We can still go to the table and that this, this could be solved with diplomacy. I, I think that we're kind of past that point. I don't, I don't think that Vladimir Putin is doing this incrementally. It might seem that way. But I think it's part of a bigger plan. It's part of a bigger plan to, to reestablish a Russia as a world power. And so I, I'm just not getting the feeling that the adults are in charge like we were told. No, here's here's Biden in 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 2019 with a a very direct rebuke of of Putin. Folks, you hear the news once again, Putin and the Russians are trying to engage in our election to decide who the president's going to be. And this time I'm the object of their attention because Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. Is that right? Is that right? There's like there's a clip for everything, man, for everything. You know, we, we go back and we talk about this Russian threat. You go back to 2012 when President Obama, during a debate with then candidate Romney, when, when those guys went at it about Russia, the, the question was, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, the greatest geopolitical threat to the United States, uh, Mitt Romney said, was Vladimir Putin in Russia. And President Obama at the time mocked him with his 1980s called, they want their foreign policy back. It's not the Cold War anymore. They're Romney. Ha ha. Everybody, everybody laugh at Mitt Romney. He's bringing up Chinese hackers. He's bringing up Vladimir Putin. He's not even talking about al-Qaeda, which he called the greatest national security threat. He made the distinction even at the time. It wasn't two years later that Vladimir Putin took Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula. So, no, they, they did not take Vladimir Putin seriously, and they still don't. It's, it's amazing. In fact, back in 2012, here is President Biden, uh, then Vice President Biden, talking about that 1980s called uh, Mitt Romney's foreign policy. Check this out. Governor Romney's answer I thought was incredibly revealing. He acts like he thinks the Cold War is still on. Russia is still our major adversary. I don't know where he's been. I mean, we have disagreements with Russia, but they're united with us on Iran. The only way we're getting, one of only two ways we're getting material into Afghanistan or our troops is through Russia. They are working closely with us. They've just said to Europe, if there is an oil shutdown in any way in the Gulf, they'll consider increasing oil supplies to Europe. That's not, this is not 1956. They're our buddies. We're good. We're all good with Russia. Russia's our ally. This is in 1956, you dumb, you dumbass Mitt Romney. Come on. Now, everybody, and now, uh, now, everybody's going, well, hey, maybe Mitt Romney was right. He was right about a lot of stuff back then. And I know there's a lot of people who do not like Mitt Romney now. They don't like him. I think that he's cashed out a lot of his political capital, and I don't think that he could get the nomination now. But at the time, that would have been transformative. I think that, that at the time, he was the best guy to be the president in 2012. I mean, Mitt Romney was, was hands down 
the best man for the job in 2012. I mean, he could do the job today, I think, but he couldn't get the job. Uh, to paraphrase what Joe versus a volcano. I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? That whole deal. All right, coming up, I want to uh, revisit my life hack on combating inflation, especially at the grocery store. I think I've got Ari Castle coming around on greasing the meat man. We're going to grease the meat man next with the Nation of Jake right here on Tony Katz Today. Yeah! Is it? This, this song makes me dance every time, man. This is a this is a song. The show Peacemaker on HBO Max. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. This is one of those intros. It's kind of like Cheers. You never skip it. They've got the option to skip the intro. If you skip the intro on Peacemaker, the dance number with John Cena, then you have no soul. I'm about halfway through the routine. I know about half of it. Ari Kassler, are you taking time to learn all the moves? Uh, no, I have other things to do, but it's on I've, my list. <laughs> I have never, ever wanted to learn a choreographed dance. I mean, not even Thriller from Michael Jackson, right? But when this came out, I'm like, yes, I'm going to learn every step in this. And then at some point, it's going to come up. It's going to come in handy. I'm going to know every step to this dance. So, yeah, go check out Peacemaker. That's a lot of fun. That's on HBO Max. The other one on HBO Max is Righteous Gemstones. Uh, that one's hilarious. Ari Castle, you have not watched that one yet, have you? I, I had not, but you recommended it strongly, you got so to. it's on my list. Gemstones is fantastic. All right, so uh, we're here at Tony Katz today. Uh, Nation of Jake in. Just just in case you didn't know, I'm on Twitter, at Nation of Jake. I've got Kyle on the Twitter. He's giving me a shout-out here. I appreciate it. He is He is saying that if President Biden is the adult in the room, he's the old grandpa in front of the TV, ignoring the kids and letting mom and grandma deal with him, to which I say he's the adult in the room that you don't leave your kids in. <laughs> Just don't do it. It's, uh, it's not. It's, he'll sniff them. He, he may not do more than that, but he might sniff your children. If you're into that, okay, I'm not so much. All right, so uh, earlier on the program, I was giving you a life hack. Now, this is just something from me to you, from the Nation of Jake to the far-flung Tony Katz Today radio network. It's, uh, it's called Grease the Meat Man. All right? If you want to save money in these trying times, these high inflation times, then you need to grease the meat man. And you can do this in a number of ways. You just make friends with the guy in the meat section who stocks the reduced meats. You know, the ones that are reduced for quick sale. You know, the sell or freeze by date is fast approaching. So they put them like in the corner. So either you find out when he does that, but I, I would suggest making sure he lets you know when he does that. Maybe a personalized text. Hey, some great steaks are out of the reduced section. Get up here, dude. About to put them out. Or listen, if you get real tight with the meat man, if you buy him gifts, if you regale him, he will, he'll just set them aside for you. You know, maybe even he'll take pictures of the meat and then he'll set it aside for you and you come up and you can purchase them. But it's going to cost you something. Might cost you your time. Because look, the meat guy who's in charge of putting out the reduced meats, he might not have a lot of friends. He might just want your friendship, your companionship, fellowship. You could offer that or you could offer booze. Think about it. The meat man is in a, a meat locker all day. He's cold, right? He probably doesn't have a St. Bernard with a barrel of booze to bring him and keep him warm. So you could just bring him the booze. You could be his St. Bernard. So Ari Castle... 
I'm almost certain the next time you go to the grocery store, you're going to think about greasing that meat, man. I'm not about to flirt with the meat guy at the grocery store. Flirting, look at you. You're, you're, try, you're trying to belittle me in my life hack. It, it's There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Look, you're trying to insinuate that it's homoerotic in no, some I'm way. No, I'm just saying it's, it's, it, is it not. seems you like a lot flirt. of work for little reward. Little reward? What are you talking about, bro? I got a top sirloin the other day. Original <laughs> price was like $10.40. I got it for like four eighty-seven. Well, I now you have to hang out with the meat guy. I'm sure he's. It's cool him. though, man. I'm at the grocery store all the time, man. And he's a cool, dude. I, I, I'm sure. I think you might have the one cool meat guy in the world because the guy who does the meat in my place looks like a dirty, dirty man. Well, dude, some of the dirtiest, dirtiest men are the coolest, but bro. Were you? You're so young. I'm, some of like the coolest pre- guys I'm in the world. The 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 coolest dudes in the world in the '80s were the most sketchy dudes. That's, you know, that belongs on a T-shirt. It's it's true. Sketchy dudes, man. And they work in the meat section. You know what? And you know what? People like you judge them. And so what you need to do is get to know the meat man. Just grease him a little bit. Help him help you. Until next time, there will be only time. Nation of Jake for Tony Cassidy. Tony's back tomorrow from CPAC. And I'll talk to you later.